Welcome to day number four here at SEC Media Days in Nashville, Tennessee. Ben Portnoy joining us here from the state covering South Carolina and, of course, the Masters. He's got his gear on. Uh, also, every you've been here all day. You've been here all week, so you've covered every single team. Uh, and I guess we'll, we'll start with, with day number four in general. we got Lane Kiffin taking shots at NIL. We started the week with Greg Sankey talking about NIL. It seems like every coach is very proud of their state's laws, uh, but Sankey is not. What was your general takeaway? I didn't think it was as abrasive as it could have been this week, but on the topic of NIL, what was what's your takeaway on how the people have been, how the coaches have communicated the problems? You know, I thought what Lane Kiffin was talking about today was pretty good and interesting. I think that you know, obviously, he kind of joked about not wanting to rank the collectives and the boosters and all of that, which I'd still love to hear that list in private at some point. But you know, I think that the the thing that he talked about of how it's free agency basically without any rules. I, I think that's what it's turned into, and I think that it sort of establishes the insanity of all of it, the fact that there are no rules, that there's nothing stopping anyone from doing anything, and that, you know, there's no continuity across the conference. It's a problem. And I thought that, you know, Sankey talked about it a little bit and, and sort of referenced the idea of maybe the conferences doing something with it and, and you know, policing it. But I just, again, it, without the NCAA doing something, which they kind of can't, without Congress doing something, we'll see where they actually do something. I mean, it's just, it's a mess, and there's not really any good way to put it back together. Well, and I thought it was going to kind of take over the football conversations, but I feel like, you know, all the distractions at Georgia and with Hugh Freeze and NIL, it wasn't really as big of a factor. Even Nick Saban was kind of chill this week. So from a football perspective, you've been here all week. What do you think, like, what is new to you now that you've been here for four days, something that you didn't think about, something you've changed, changed your opinion on from, like, an actual football standpoint? You know, something I think that has been, you know, talked about a lot, but you sort of see it when everyone's under the same roof is – how, for lack of a better term, worried people are about Alabama and where they stand and sort of this end of the Nick Saban dynasty and all that stuff. And look, like that stuff gets overblown every four years, it seems like, and then Nick Saban turns around, they go win a national championship, and that's just how Alabama operates. But I think it's incredible how quickly that's become sort of overtaken things a little bit around that program. And it's like, it's not like Alabama stopped recruiting at a top five level. I mean, yes, they've got a lot of questions. They've got new coordinators and that. But, you know, what's a down year? 10, 11 wins? I mean, it's still going to be one of probably at worst the third team in the West, may probably more likely to be finished second or, or first with LSU. Uh, that's been the thing that I think has been interesting to see how much people have kind of latched onto that. Do you have a vote? Did you vote LSU or Bama in the West? I took LSU. LSU number one. All right, that's not a surprise face. I'm getting people on, on, on YouTube telling me, that, like, why are you reacting that way? I'm reacting because of the conviction. I, I think I've, I could literally flip a coin. I, I'm leading Bama, but for someone to be convicted about LSU is interesting to me. Why, why, why the Tigers? You know, I'm probably backing myself up because I, I picked LSU to finish second in the West last year and felt really good about that, just that there's dudes there and they're going to figure it out. And I think that's what you see with LSU this year is that it, Brian Kelly, first of all, has done a really good job wherever he's been. He's now recruiting at a level at LSU where he's got the athletes and the talent to compete at that top, top, top level of college football. And you look at what LSU's done, the way they've sort of brought guys in. Jaden Daniels is back for another year. It's just sort of the pieces are there, and it just kind of it, – it's not a scientific way to explain it, but it just kind of makes sense. I just sort of feel – I feel really good about where they are. The 10-4 and four season last year was maybe a little bit ahead of schedule, but when you take that into the context of – what that team has talent-wise, what they're going to bring back, having an established quarterback who's been through the ringer. It just kind of feels like a time where LSU can make that jump. Let's get to the team you cover uh, routinely, and that is, that is South Carolina. And part of what makes South Carolina interesting to me is that they, rep they represent like an entire class of team 
in the SEC right now that we really have no clue about? And, I, and I've asked everybody this question. From like 4 to 12, let's put the top three at the top with Georgia and LSU and Bama. Let's put Vandy at the bottom, probably Florida and Missouri. But even then, you could make the case that one of those two teams is interesting. 4 through 13 is pretty close. So who do you like to jump up out of that group and, and not challenge the top but maybe finish at the top of that group? And then let's get into why it is or is not South Carolina. Yeah, I think that Tennessee is going to get a lot of that attention probably just because of what Tennessee was last year. I'm not convinced they've done enough, if anything, to fix the defense, which I still think is going to be a problem. I think Joe Milton's going to do put up big numbers. That's that's I want to I don't want to say it's a given in Josh Heupel's offense, but it's kind of a given in Josh Heupel's offense. Um, you know, Kentucky makes some sense. Liam Cohen's back. I still don't think that fixes all of their offensive line issues because the offensive line was still bad and it's still got a lot of issues. It's got to sort out. Um, Devin Leary coming in, I think, is interesting. And then you know, on South Carolina, it's kind of the thing we saw last year of we joked about this the other day of sort of you've got usually you get halfway through a season you're kind of like okay I kind of have a feel for what this team's going to be we've got 13 games to look at at South Carolina left from last year and I still couldn't tell you what that team was because you look at it and they've won you know they win the games against Clemson and Tennessee to close the year but then they got steamrolled by some mediocre Florida team the week before that and there's no there's no sense to be made of it frankly is what the reality is but I think that that's where you go with South Carolina again this year is like if Spencer Rattler plays great, if Spencer Rattler's on, if Spencer Rattler does the things that he did in those last few games, South Carolina's going to have the potential to go finish, whatever, second in the East. That's possible. But again, there's also the question marks of they've got to replace both their starting defensive ends. They're replacing two NFL draft picks at corner, one being a second-round pick, one being a fourth-round pick. Like, They've got some holes and some questions in very serious places that makes me take a little bit of maybe a half-step back from being, you know, convicted about this is going to be the South Carolina team that goes and wins 10 games and jumps up. Now, South Carolina has also been sort of chaos team over the last two years of just the games that they've won versus lost and, and sort of the way that they've done it. Um, so maybe there's a little bit of that and things break right and somehow we're looking at South Carolina at the end of the season with 10 wins. But you look at the East and really, you know, when we talk about that sort of 4 through 13, a lot of those teams reside in the East. It's sort of, you know, you're talking about South Carolina, you're talking about Tennessee, you're talking about Kentucky, you're talking about Missouri a little bit, you're talking about Florida a little bit, we'll see. Like, two through seven in the East could finish like 187 different ways, and none of them would surprise me, frankly. No, I I agree, and I don't think the West is all that different, three through seven as well. Um, Are you surprised? Which coach surprised you? Billy Napier kind of – you mentioned Florida. I didn't notice that they were here this week. Um, it's not a knock on Billy Napier. I just think they, they've kind of flown, they've flown under the radar. You know, Hugh Freeze, of course, is hard to avoid. He's just sort of everywhere. Um, was there anything that surprised you about the conversations that we had this week from, again, Kirby Smart didn't come in and play the disrespect card. Saban was kind of calmer and more gent- gentle. Um, you know, Kiffin made some funny cr- wisecracks, but, like, by and large, it's been pretty chill. Which coach maybe have you changed your opinion on this week? That's a good question. Um, it's been an interesting week. I think, like, you look at sort of – Lane Kiffin, obviously, today was fun and interesting. I, I felt like this was the most, for lack of a better term, endearing Kirby Smart spin at the podium. You know, he, he was kind of in a good mood, very charming and fun, and you don't get that a lot with Kirby in media settings. It's kind of his least favorite thing to do most of the time, and, um, you know, that is what it is. Everyone's different. That's fine, but it, I thought he was in a really – cheery mood considering everything that's going on around the Georgia program right now um, off the field really more than on the field but I think that was a little surprising Saban like you said was relatively tempered 
Brian Kelly obviously kind of opening things up this week was interesting, but um, you know you've seen it sort of all week, and you know we'll see what we get with Heupel and, and Beamer's obviously done talking to, or has talked today too, so it's been interesting, and and I think that you know, there's definitely it's just been kind of a very mellow week as far as these things go. I think it, I don't know, maybe this is just a hunch here. I think it's because we have so many unknowns on the field. We have so many unknowns off the field. Everybody's kind of optimistic. Every fan base is kind of happy about where their team is, or at least somewhat excited. Auburn fans are more excited than Alabama fans are, which is nuts. Um, so I, I think, and I don't know, I guess I, I, I do want to ask you about Georgia winning the national championship, but at the end of the day, uh, like I think we are in store for one of the craziest years of college football because on every Saturday we're going to have 50-50 games, like three of them in every viewing window. And we're not going to know who's going to win those games. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's – I look at it, for example, South Carolina plays Mississippi State in the fourth week of the year. That game, like, to me, screams we're going to look up and say, oh, that was one of the best games of the year and nobody talked about it. It's sort of just under the radar. It happens. And I think we're going to get a lot of games like that where it's sort of – you know, there's just going to be a lot of chaos. It's going to be a lot of chaotic things going on because there's so much uncertainty. And, look, at the end of the day, obviously someone's going to win, someone's going to lose. But – I think that lends itself to a really fun season where you've got so many teams that have so many question marks. It's not really the just Georgia's got everyone back. They're going to go win another national championship. Even Georgia's got questions. They've got to replace a quarter, starting quarterback. They've got to replace guys on the defense. And obviously they've done it pretty dang well the last two years. But, you know, it's still it, – there's still a lot of question marks. And I don't think this is a year where the SEC – you know, there are years, especially under Nick Saban, where it's sort of Alabama and everyone else or it's been Georgia and everyone else. And – and you get that, or it's been LSU and everyone else, all right? Like, that happens. It's just this year there's so, so many question marks that it's hard to really – it's really hard to put a real feel or a barometer on, like, three-quarters of the league this year. I mean, even Vanderbilt, right? Like, Vanderbilt was 5-7, and seven, beat Florida and Kentucky last year. It, it, it's not a given that Vanderbilt's going to finish last in the East this year. It's kind of it, – it makes for a fun, fun football season, I think. So I guess I'll, I will end and I'll let you go with, with Georgia. Um, I, it feels like a hot take to say that they're not going to win the national championship. They are clearly number one. It's why Kirby can't play the disrespect card this year the way he did last year. But they're clearly the best team. And if we didn't know the last two years happened, we would clearly be picking Georgia. Like it's not like so I guess is that we you know, are you on board with not winning the national championship? Are they steamrolling people again? Like where are you on Georgia? I think Georgia, I mean, they're going to be in the conversation, right? Georgia has recruited too well to not be in the conversation. Like, it's just, say what you will about recruiting rankings, but they're more of a science these days than they were 10 years ago. And, and there's a reason that the teams that recruited a top 10 level and a top 5 level are always playing for national championships, are always in the conversation in November, December. Um, and I think Georgia's one of those programs, obviously. I still think the quarterback thing is interesting. It, it, you know, say what you will about Stetson Bennett, but, uh, you know, he's a generational guy for Georgia. He won two national titles. Certainly there was some limited upside, if you want to put it that way. But, like, the dude still won two national championships, and you're replacing that. That's hard. Um, I'm with you. I'm a little more sort of trepid on, 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 on Georgia, but I think it's fair to say there's enough question marks there. And, again, kind of what I said about LSU, it just feels like – LSU feels more like a certainty than Georgia does right now, I think. I think. Okay, all right, that's interesting. I What, feel, what I feel about Georgia is that they're not going to win the national championship, but I do not have any feelings about anyone else, and I don't have the stones to say it's Florida State or Penn State or USC, although I think Florida State's going to play in the national championship game against Georgia, so maybe that's where I should be. Where I should be. I mean, Washington won 10, 11 games, and Michael Penix is probably going to be in the Heisman conversation for most of this year when he throws for, you know, a gajillion yards. Like, there's sort of – 
that's all of college football this year a little bit. It's going to be a great year. Uh, ben Portnoy of the state covering South Carolina and all things SEC as well. So appreciate your time, of course, uh, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We'll talk to you guys next time.